Hey, it's Mac. Welcome back. Episode three of Icebreaker. Icebreaker episode three is presented by Cunningham Business Interiors. When it comes to helping you work better from work, Cunningham fits. Cunningham Business Interiors are your office furnishing experts. So check them out at cunningham.mb.ca and let them set you up with a new office. So excited for episode three. Uh, we got a great show for you today, but uh, we'll get into a couple of things uh, first before we bring in our guests. Let's start off by just saying Dana White just rolls on. Dana White makes things happen. COVID hits, Dana White continues the UFC, whether it's fight nights with no fans. The guy just bought an island, the UFC fight island. And I don't know if you've seen pictures or video of that island, but it looks unbelievable. There's a golf course, water park, like everything you need. An event center, obviously, for the fighting, but like the guy just rolls on. It's incredible. And over the COVID period, UFC has been putting on fight nights. A um, couple pay-per-view, but largely free to watch on TSN. And I'll tell you firsthand, I, was, I wasn't a UFC fan. Didn't have time to watch it. Never watched it. And then when this hit and UFC was the only live sporting on, I, I tuned in on TSN and kind of, you know, became a fan of watching a little bit. One, because it was free. And two, because it was live sports. So they got me hooked. And this weekend was another great weekend of the UFC fight night on TSN, which was for free. And um, the first three fights on the card were first minute knockouts, like fascinating, like unbelievable action. It, it was like tons of fun to watch. So um, kudos to Dana White for, you know, I bet you he's just drawn a lot of fans uh, over this period by uh, powering through and, and making it free and accessible for people to watch. And then, of course, the, the main event on Saturday night went five rounds, unanimous decision. Like, it was, a, it was a great fight. And the best thing about the UFC, two best things about the UFC, Bruce Buffer, number one, that man is electric. He wasn't there this weekend. But when he announces fighters and what's happening, and he announces the referee, it's electric. This guy knows how to amp up a crowd. And when the UFC does return to crowds, I mean, there's no better show uh, in a live production. Like, it, it's actually incredible. But Bruce Buffer makes the show. That guy, like, he can introduce a paper bag and it would be unbelievable. So, love Bruce Buffer. Uh, shout out to Bruce Buffer. The second thing that makes the UFC unbelievable is how their announcers at the end of the fights let the winners of the fight call out who they want next. And Dana White's sitting right there and he just smiles and and last but lots of those fights end up happening so i think that's awesome then the the person they call out starts tweeting anytime any place you name it i mean it's awesome there's interaction between the the fighters but the fans get involved i think it's i think it's phenomenal so what they have there uh, it they definitely uh, drew me in and, and i'm a fan now i think their whole system is is pretty rock solid so excited for the next fight night uh, whenever it may be, and who knows, maybe I'll just pay for a pay-per-view. Another thing that happened this week is NHL uh, players getting back on the ice and in the training facilities and small groups. Uh, tons of teams tweeting out that, you know, their players are back and welcome back to whoever. So that's that's awesome to see. And uh, just one step closer to, you know, returning to, to live hockey, which I'm, I'm sure we're all excited for. I know I am. And I'd like to say from firsthand experience, when you're off the ice for three months, I think it was, and uh, no matter how hard you're training and uh, working out away from the rink, when you get back on the ice, it's a whole new animal to get used to again. And I know probably tons of these players have never 
spend three months away from the ice uh, when they're healthy. You know, when an injury that happens, and that's part of the rehabilitate rehabilitation process. But when you're healthy and you got to be away from the rink, I'm sure it was gut wrenching. So uh, happy for them to be back, but you know that time has got to come back in the hands and. Uh, you know, throughout my whole career, my hands never came back, so that's that's fine. But for them, um, hopefully it comes quick. And when the puck drops for the uh, best of fives and the round robins, um, can't wait to see it. So that's another uh, big step in the right direction for the NHL and uh, really exciting, uh, really exciting stuff. The PGA Tour is back. Live golf at last this weekend. Um, Charles Schwab Challenge was uh was no short uh no short of drama so um it was a little bit different to see uh, no fans there uh the players they said it themselves uh there's a couple holes where people made grandstands outside the golf course and there's little cheers here and there for the guys and they were waving and i would wave too even if there's no fans you sink a good putt or make a good shot i would wave too just uh you know stay as normal as you can and for those guys i would be waving and and having fans there, but let's uh, skip ahead here to Sunday, and then we didn't get to see the Sunday red, because Tiger wasn't in the tournament, but soon enough, I hope, and see him back competing and challenging, but the the tournament was stacked, like, no shortage of great players, and there was some great golf out there, a little bit of rust on Thursday, but by Sunday, they were dialed in, and, and the leaders down to the wire, um, two-man playoff for the for the title, uh, just before that, though, Xander Shoffley missed a, uh, you know, a 20-foot birdie putt, so a lengthy putt, but he left it about an inch short, and it would have been a three-man playoff. So right there, the drama started. But then it was a, a two-man playoff between Colin Morikawa and Daniel Berger. Um, Berger ended up winning, and he he sunk a short par putt to, to get in in the first playoff hole on par, and Morikawa had a four-footer for par. And... As a golfer myself, the four-footers are the death of me. So, you know, I'm watching him line it up, and he, he stepped off the putt, and then he went back and looked at it again, and then he he stood over it, and, and he uh, he putted it, and he lipped out from four feet. And the look on his face was just like, are you joking? And I felt for him. I felt terrible for him. I haven't been in a PGA Tour event, and I never will be. But when I'm standing over a four-foot putt, I expect myself to make it. And 50% of the time, I don't. And it is the worst feeling in the world. A short little putt like that, and you miss it. You miss it to the left or to the right. So um feel terrible for uh, for Morikawa. And, uh, but he's a great golfer. He's 23 years old, and he's an unbelievable talent and phenomenal to watch. So excited for next weekend, another live PGA Tour event. So don't forget to uh, follow and subscribe to our YouTube page at Icebreaker Show. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, if you like it, you know, tell your friends as well as on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, tell your friends. would love uh, for love to them to get a listen. And then, of course, follow us on social, uh, on our social channels at Icebreaker Show with two W's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And let us know what you think of the show. Who would you like to see as a guest next? Uh, what kind of things you want us to talk about, uh, interested and open to all your feedback. And uh, we really appreciate it. I think you're going to enjoy today's guest, uh, hometown uh, Winnipeg kid, um, not a kid anymore, but uh, one of the best people you'll ever meet within the game of hockey, 
too many good things to say about him to list them off. He uh, he grew up through the Winnipeg minor hockey system and and uh, moved on. He played for the Winnipeg Blues in the MJHL and then went on and have a four-year college career and then was, interestingly enough, the last ever draft pick of the Atlanta Thrashers. So, And then became the captain of the Manitoba Moose. And I'm sure that was, might have been a lifelong dream as you know, all of us in that era grew up watching the Moose because the Jets weren't here yet and we loved it every second of it. So without further ado, really excited to be joined here today with uh, the former captain and recently retired Peter Stoikwich. Uh Welcome to the show, Peter. Good. Doing well, man. Retirement's good. Obviously, being a Winnipeg kid and getting a chance to play for the Moose, that must have been pretty special. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, can't believe I actually played there for that long. It's kind of crazy. Um, five, five, six years there goes by pretty fast when you're <laughs> playing hockey. So, um, yeah, it was a good run, honestly. Went went way longer than I thought I yeah, would. And, um, you know, not a lot of people get to play pro hockey at home, so that was, uh, that was pretty special, too. Yeah, I can imagine. If we throw it back there, so you're picked by Atlanta in 2010, uh, 199th overall, and uh, they're the Atlanta Thrashers. And then, like, a year later, the the Atlanta Thrashers are sold to Winnipeg. And, you know, you still play four years of college hockey, and then after that, the Moose are in uh, St. John's still, and you suit up there. But, you know, in that summer, they announced that the Moose are coming back to Winnipeg. What, is that, uh, what does that feel like? How did you react with that? Yeah, no, it kind of was uh, pretty fortunate, I guess. 199th, I don't know if you know, but Tom Brady went 199th too. Good summer <laughs> careers. Uh, we, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, it was pretty cool. Had to convince Chipper to buy another team and get me here, you know. <laughs> but, uh, also, yeah, it, uh, no, it honestly couldn't work out better. I was the last pick ever of Atlanta, and then they moved here that summer, and then when I turned pro, wasn't really the NHL, uh, NHL type, I guess. <laughs> Knew I was going to be an NHL guy, but uh, yeah, no, St. John's was really cool. Um, being out there a couple of months might have been enough for me. So uh, it's a wild place. Everybody's got to visit there at least at least one point. But um, yeah, no, it just honestly was luck more than anything, and just tried to take advantage of that luck. You brought it up, so tell me a little bit about George Street. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, you hear about George Street when you don't play pro hockey even, right? Like, it's kind of, there's a lot to it there. And um, obviously, when you come into town, like, the ice caps are kind of the big dogs in, in St. John's there. Um, the people support them really well, and it's, it's really cool. The place is packed all the time. And, um, you're, like, like I said, kind of the, the big wigs in town. So, um <laughs> when you're surrounded by some of the guys that were on that team and they won't, won't even name names, but <laughs> guys would be uh, walking to the game down George street and all the bar owners would be like, <laughs> yeah, first five rounds are on me here. And <laughs> you know, after the game, so you just kind of go from place to place after the game. And uh, all the, all the road teams would ask be asking where to go on the ice. And uh, I was a new kid in town, so I had no idea, but um, yeah, it was a pretty, uh, pretty neat place where uh, everybody cared about you. So cool spot to play and start my career. 
Yeah, I can imagine the road teams probably were pretty fond of visiting St. John's for a couple of nights, uh, yeah, based on what I hear about it. Always had a, always had a good home record for some, for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> Can't put my finger on it, but yeah, it was good. Um, Got to ask you, so when you found out that you're going to be the captain of the Moose, uh, how'd that go over and what would that feel like? Yeah, that was kind of, uh, that was, that was cool. That was one of the, um, I knew, I guess, Tazzy called me into his office that day and um, asked who I thought should be captain. And <laughs> uh, obviously Quorum's left the year before. Uh, I, he was one of my best friends on the team and did everything with him. And we were actually roommates on the road there for two years before he left. And um, Tazzy called me into his office and asked me who I th thought should be captain. <laughs> Named a few guys, talked about a few guys, and he just said, well, it's going to be you. So I <laughs> uh, still remember that conversation like it was yesterday. And I knew, I think, 24 hours before before the rest of the guys knew. So hard to keep my mouth shut, hard not to tell anyone. I was living at home at the time, actually. So didn't even tell my parents, I don't think. So, um, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was uh, all my friends even now. Like, I go – you know, go golfing with my friends and, and some of their friends who I'm, you know, just meeting for the first time. And they just, it's surreal to them that they're playing with the captain of the moose, you know what I mean? But to me, it doesn't even like register. Yeah. It's like, where is he? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like who? <laughs> is he, you know, like <laughs> I still don't see myself as, you know, the captain of the moose. And it's, um, you know, like I'm sure when I look back on it, I'll, not not appreciate it more because I, I appreciated it every second I was there, you know, and um and being able to do it. But I just kind of tried to do me. I didn't try to be anyone else or do anything different. And felt like I kinda fell into the role because of what I did and <laughs> didn't didn't really want to alter that just because I was wearing the seat. But um obviously being from Winnipeg it's it's just cool to do those kind of things, you know, and just be around town and throw your jersey on at community events and you're wearing the seat and it just like kind of a reality check and <laughs> keeps you keeps you humble make sure makes makes you make the right decision all the time wherever you go um keep it between the lines you know and um yeah no it's, it's cool it's uh it's it's pretty humbling too because obviously like Keener is a captain you know Keener really well amazing guy like Corms is a great dude um Johnny Albert who was before Corms played with him too a great guy and uh, just want to kind of be put uh, when people talk about, you know, my couple of years there. I hope they say the same thing. And I'm sure they will. A lot of good players that uh, wore the C there for the Moose and couldn't help but notice on social media a couple uh, pictures circulating around of you yeah. when you're 10 years old for the Junior Moose, uh, also the captain. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who made that decision. Someone was obviously drunk or something that day. But, uh, yeah, no, that like, – I mean, yeah, it just kind of fortunate, you know. Um, every team I played on, guys just kind of, I don't know. I never at any point felt like I needed to do anything or, or be anyone, anything like that. And guys just kind of, I guess, respected what I did. And I think that's kind of the highest compliment you can get. And was kind of the captain of most of the teams I played on. And, um I think I, I guess I credit a lot of that to the people that I learned from on the way and even the people that I got to play with, you know what I mean? Like even people that didn't wear letters doesn't mean they weren't great leaders or, or great people or great players, you know, like 
like on that Moose team, we had some unbelievable players who's like, you know. Um, uh, but I mean, like, yeah, like Stoner was on that team. Mac was on that team. Uh, Cal Pickard was on that team. Um, you know, Jordy Papp, um, like Mace was on that team. Like it was an insane team. Like a lot of guys still play and, you know, do different things. So, I mean, it was just like, it was just us all hanging out kind of thing. And whether you wore the suit or not, it didn't really matter, you know, because everyone could pull their weight kind of thing. So didn't have to do much work on most of the teams I played on, honestly. Didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't hear my name on that list for any reason about that. I did. I had named you right off the hop. Okay, good. Carry on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the biggest problem I ever dealed with where wearing a loose jersey was his high zigger. <laughs> I heard he was a subpar okay. center back in the day. Actually, you know what? He was unbelievable at draws. That is one thing he was good at. <laughs> Didn't bring a lot to the table, but boy, could the guy win a draw. Um, uh, just about uh, Colorado College there for a sec. Four years uh, in the NCAA Division One um, must have been a pretty good experience. Yeah, honestly, like looking back on my whole career, kind of recently, <laughs> um, what happens on the ice is 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 awesome. You know what I mean? Like it's a great game won some big games, scored some big goals, that kind of thing. But, like, it's all about, like, the people you meet. And um, to me, college was kind of where I grew up and <laughs> learned to be, you know, a man. And uh, it was the first time I was on my own, like, 100%. And you got to, like, cook, clean, eat, do everything by yourself. And obviously with college <laughs> comes a lot of fun, too, you know. You got to enjoy it, too. So. That was, uh, I mean, every kind of aspect of my career was different from like minor hockey to junior hockey to college and, and pro. Like they were all so different in so many different like facets, but college was just nuts. Like, again, went by way too fast. Um, still talk to those guys all the time, like every day kind of thing. And um, yeah, wouldn't have traded it for the world. Wouldn't have done anything differently. What, uh, what was your college otherwise? What goal do you remember the most? So, like, we played uh, my second year there, my sophomore season. We uh, we made the final. We beat Denver in, in the first round of playoffs, who was our biggest rival. So, we beat Denver to go to the final five. And in the final five that year was uh, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, us, and Alaska. So, um uh, was Alaska? I don't know. Either way, they Alaska is irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> Beat uh, so the first game. North Dakota had won our our conference the last three years, and we played. We got to overtime against them, and I scored in overtime in front of twenty thousand North Dakota fans in the XL Center in Minnesota. There, and um, actually, sweet story from there was I scored no T in that whole. Like North Dakota's close, Wisconsin's close, Minnesota's close because the whole tournament's held in St. Paul there in the in the yeah. Wild Building. So the first night it was 20,000 North Dakota fans beat them, silenced the crowd kind of thing. Second night was we played Minnesota, who was one in the nation. They had, like, Nick Bukestad on that team. They had Nate Schmidt on that team. They had, uh, like, an insane team. They were so good. They had uh, Howell on that team. They were number one in the nation. Beat them. And that night it was 20,000 Gopher fans. Yeah. So we ended up going to the final against Wisconsin. And, um 
we were heading down the elevator to the game, me and me and my roommate. And there were a couple fans in the in the elevator wearing uh, wearing CC jerseys, and we were like, "Oh, geez, like not a lot of CC fans. Like we're far from Colorado, kind of thing." So we're just like, "Oh, like stop and thank them." And we we're like, "Hey, thanks for coming," that kind of thing. And they all started laughing. And um, we're like, "What's going on?" And they're like, "We're uh, we're Minnesota and North Dakota fans, but we just hate Wisconsin more than we hate you." So. <laughs> So they bought, they ended up buying the jerseys to cheer for us because that whole that that final game where uh, it was twenty thousand Wisconsin fans. So <laughs> we were definitely the underdog in the road team in all three games, but it was pretty cool to be in the elevator with uh, people that were buying our jerseys just because we knocked off their teams a couple nights before. Some fair weather fans, you gotta love that. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, really boys. Eh? So listen, I put on social here that that you're coming onto the onto the show, and a couple people. Uh, Send in some questions. I got three for you that I chose. Um, the first one was why number 42 for the moose? Uh, 42. Um, that one, <laughs> that one's not much to it. There's, we have to stay under 50. It's 50 or below for the moose. So when I came in, um, I forget what numbers were taken, but there wasn't a whole lot to choose from. Uh, most of the ones that were available were single digits. And <laughs> seen my last name on a jersey it looks pretty <laughs> funny if I have a skinny number so I, I honestly went for the biggest uh the biggest widest number I can find and, and that was 42 so that's how I got 42 that's why I picked 42. That's funny I was I wasn't expecting that I was I was like oh that's what they gave them or whatever but now that you say that with your last name on the back makes total sense I love it. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's like because I was thinking you gotta especially I came out of college and I mean the guys in pro are just bigger in general, you know? And I was like, if I wear a skinny, like a single digit, not only is it because my name way too long for the number, but like you don't look as big out there. And I was like, I got to get my rep up here quick. So find the fattest number I could. And like, <laughs> 42 <laughs> is it. So couldn't get to 55, but uh, 55 is probably the biggest number you can get. So went that, to 42. That would have been it. No, that's funny. I like that. Um, another one said, uh, are you looking to stay in pro hockey in any capacity, whether coaching or otherwise? I mean, Paul Maurice wants to give me his job. I'd be happy to take it, but, <laughs> um, it's got, honestly like, like the game, there are just too many good people and not enough spots, you know, like there's so many good hockey players out there that people have never heard of just because, not because they're any worse than anyone else it's because they didn't get an opportunity they didn't you know like yeah. there just aren't enough jobs for how many good candidates there are for it and I feel like the other side of pro hockey is no different and would I love to do it like absolutely I'd be I'd take a take an opportunity in a second um just got to go looking for those opportunities you know and and most teams there's a whole bunch of turnover every year and and there just isn't a ton of opportunity out there. So if there was opportunity, I'd love to do it. But I also understand that, you know, there might not be that opportunity, especially right off uh, right off the bat. So um, if there was, I'd love to, but never know what's going to go on, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I understand that. Who knows what comes along the way? And our, and our final question here is, after another disappointing quarterfinal uh, exit in fantasy football playoffs, what kind of adjustments are you looking to make for next season? <laughs> I think every year I trade my uh, trade all my best players. So um, 
just going to continue to do that and continue to keep a revolving door. Nobody's safe on my squad. Keep that message going through the team, and uh, hopefully they'll, they'll hunker down. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a playoff guy, you know, so I'll keep my job as manager, uh, obviously. They can't get rid of me for that. But, yeah, you know, it's more the players screwing up than me, in my opinion, but <laughs> one man's opinion. I heard that uh, you get rid of all your best players for no one. Is that true? <laughs> no, that is not true at all. In fact, I usually have a good haul, and then they happen to get hurt. So, uh, yeah, again, it's more players being soft, not pulling their weight once, uh, once they're on the squad. Terrible when you can't control those things. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, this is quick. I, uh, I appreciate you joining us here today. and. Uh, Congrats on a great career and uh, good luck in the future. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.